Welcome to the Check Your Six podcast. Join your hosts, Air Force veterans Craig Lyson and Tim Proctor as they continue their conversation about the challenges of small business ownership as well as information, tips and guest speakers, all designed to help you navigate the potential stormy weather that is small business. And now, here are your hosts, Craig and Tim. Morning, Mr. Craig. Hey, Mr. Tim, I, I was noticing that your coffee cup, that's really nice. Does this say Southern Cycles? It doesn't, but that, oh, okay. will, that will, it says genuine Harley-Davidson motorcycles, which I do not have one. Both my wife and I have Yamaha Roadstar. So if you've oh. listened to this podcast, you know, we're going to talk about that whole thing with our with our new guest. But how are you doing today, man? Hey, I'm doing fantastic. You know, it's, it's always good to have another veteran in our podcast. It is. Now, do you have that? I got the coloring book. Did you bring the rest of yep. it? Uh, the crayons, actually. I forgot to bring the crayons during the cabinet. Oh, man. There, so that was our bad. Marine veteran uh, in here today. But the guy's we'll, kind of we'll tall, so I, we'll just lay off that. He's okay. tall, and he's riding a really <laughs> bad bottom bike that he, he brought in today that has his business logo on it, which is pretty cool. But what's going on with you today? It's after the weekend? After the weekend. Hey, let me just tell you about my new phone number. Your new phone number. Yeah, it's 407-754-5779. Really? Yeah, man. I, I, I just haven't changed that in so long. on my phone? <laughs> Jeez, old <laughs> Pete. Well, give people your real phone number so I don't get inundated with calls. That is my real phone number. Oh, it is? Okay. I never changed it, but okay. I figure, like, hey, if I use the word new, somebody go, oh, I'm going to try that. Oh, oh I'm going to try that. <laughs> wow, that's, is that a marketing thing that's new and improved? I think it is. And there's nothing new and improved on it. Well, I'm Tim Proctor with GRP Studios, 407-782-5969, and I really am, I'm really excited. I say that every single time, but I really am excited to have our guest in the studio today, Mr. Nate Brower. And I noticed I spelled your name wrong on the first <gasps> script. Did you notice that? I did not. You did not. Okay, good. I spelled his name wrong. I just said Bauer. I'm like, that's not right. But anyways, Mr. Nate Brower from Southern Cycles in Apopka, Florida, is here this morning. Let me see if I got it. Do I have it in the right place? Nope, that's the wrong one. How about that? Is that better? Is that did better you, for did you? you have that noise? Did you, I mean, I know they probably bring things catered to you to your guys. Because you're in that luxury apartment. <laughs> what, did no. you, what did you stay in, in, in basic training, in your training, your, when you first went in? Was um, it a, a we, I uh, did my basic training in Paris Island, South Carolina. I've been there. I, I, my nephew uh, graduated from there. I went up there, and thank God I went Air Force. <laughs> yeah, we did. Well, Mr. Nate is in the, in the house today, and I'm really glad that you were here. Thanks for coming in. It took us a while to get you in the studio. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It really did. And I'm not going to pull any punches with this. Nate services both our motorcycles. Plain and simple. We heard from Nate with a friend of ours, Ed Porter, used to bring his bike up to you. I remember. I don't Ed. think he. I don't think he rides any longer. He does but not. we have been. You've been servicing our our motorcycles for quite some time, even after an, <clears throat> an accident where I tried to push a car with my motorcycle. But it's great to have you here. Welcome, Mister Nate. Is Thank this the, is this the right one? I know there's only two of them. Nope, that's not crickets. There we go, Mister Nate. Oh, what an epic failure today. Oh, my gosh. How you doing, man? I'm doing really well today. You had a nice ride in this morning? Yes. Not is, too long, only a couple miles, but it was it, still nice. Oh, you, is your shop that close to the studios? No, my oh. house is. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're closed on Mondays. Oh, that's sad. So that's what, gonna... and it's not, and before we go any farther, Josh Welsh is your partner in mm. all of this, and yes. he's not able to come on Mondays because of family obligations, and mm. we wanted to have both of you in here yes, just sir. to see if I could get both sides of the story, if they're both the same, but... They so should be tell, pretty close. They should be pretty close. Well, tell me a little bit about Josh. About Josh. I don't want to know about Josh. I want to know about you. Tell me a little about you. You're a military. You're a Marine veteran. Yes, sir. And sir, w- w- 
What that? What's that, sir? I don't know. I don't know. It's, Man, it's I thought just, we were enlisted. What the heck? Are we officers no, now? No, no, no. <laughs> it's from uh, was it a movie? You remember the movie? Uh, you probably don't. No. Bill Murray, Stripes. Oh uh, yes. You don't call I me, sir. I work for a living. Anyways, tell me about your service. Get your military veteran. Tell me what it, you. We talked a little bit beforehand. What you did. You're in weapons, which is cool. So give us a lowdown of your what eight years that you served. Yes, eight years. I went in uh, in 1993, uh, about six months after high school. Went through basic training, as I mentioned, at uh, Paris Island, South Carolina. After uh, boot camp, went to Marine combat training in uh, Camp Geiger, which is part of Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. And after that, I went up to my weapons training up in uh, Aberdeen, Maryland. I trained to be an armor up there. Uh, all small arms repair, so anything from mortars, machine guns, Mark 19s, which is a grenade launcher, down to pistols, shotguns, rifles, uh, smalls, rocket launchers, and such. And then uh, came back, uh, back right back down to Camp Lejeune, which was kind of the armpit of uh, the Marine Corps. Oh, and, uh, no, not really. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's 70,000 Marines there, so it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's saturated with Marines. And, um, but really enjoyed my time. After Camp Lejeune, I uh, had the chance to either get out or reenlist. And I chose to reenlist for another four years. And I got stationed out in California which was not my first choice. My first choice, I had three choices. My first choice was a naval station down in, uh, in Florida, back in Orlando, which was where I was, fr- where I was from. So yep. I kind of thought I was going back home, but that slot got filled and I ended up getting shipped out to California, which was an INI unit inspector instructor. So we instructed reservists and I did that for four years out in California and really enjoyed my time out there as well. Well, what's your favorite piece of armament if you have one? Probably the 50 cal, just because of its its solid build and it rarely fails, and just the size of the round that comes out of. Yeah. Tim, did you get to shoot that? I did not. Oh, I I'm did sorry. Not get to, although I did, I, when I was at Davis Mothin, being Air Force guys, and we had A10s in Davis Mothin. The Gatling guns on in front of the A10s were just incredible pieces of machinery. But okay, what about a handgun of choice that you would have if you have one? I know you probably do, but what would your handgun of choice be? Um, I like my car arm, all American version. Okay. Um, but I have a few of them and I kind of like them all and only keep the ones that I really like. So have a bunch of them. All right. So you get out of the military after eight years. What did you, and why did you, I don't know why you got out. That's a different story. What did you decide to do when you got out? There's probably not a whole lot of call for armament specialist in the civilian life. I say that often, actually, more along the times when I was getting out. I always made a joke that, you know, unless you're looking to work for the mafia or a pawn shop, there really wasn't a whole lot of uh, places to work. The, the gun ranges didn't seem as many as there are nowadays. It, it didn't seem like there was that many back in the day. I yeah. think um, a, lot of, a lot of the shooting at ranges has, has uh, come up in the last 10 or 15 years. Uh, and when I got out, there really wasn't a whole lot to do there. So I worked a couple years construction out in California, uh, installing skylights, and uh, really enjoyed that as well. Made more starting out in the first two weeks than I did in the Marine Corps getting paid, you know, for the same amount of time. And so that was kind of nice. I enjoyed California while I was there. Then decided to go to uh, MMI one day after about two and a half years doing construction. MMI, for those that don't know, the Motorcycle Mechanics Institute. There's one right here in Orlando. Did you come back to here to go or did you go? I did. There's one in Phoenix and there's one in Orlando. And I decided to go to the one in Orlando because uh, I was from here and my sister still lived here. So it was kind of reuniting with my sister. We got we got a place together and became best friends, and it was a it was a great time. It's good that you have a sister; you can become best friends. Mm-hmm. Yes, is it called family? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, not everybody has a best friend as a family member. So tell me about why did you choose MMI? And I mean, I almost went that route after I had worked for somebody for a ton of years and then did a little bit of research and discovered if you're coming out of it, you're not going to make a whole lot of money. Now, you're not tremendously in debt like if you went to Full Sail or some of these others. Very true. How much did you learn? And is it like so many, you get out of it what you put into it? Going back to the first question, why MMI? Um, it's known as the uh, most prestigious school, the, the most renowned, I guess. Everyone knows of it. I had talked about going to MMI back when I was in the Corps with one of my friends. Ran into some bad luck with a bunch of stuff being stolen from me in California when I was doing construction. A, a lot of my tools and stuff stolen on my truck, uh, all of my tools. So I kind of couldn't continue the job until I replenished them. When that happened, I uh, kind of hit a dead end. And I was talking to my friend and he said, have you ever thought about going back to the original plan when we were going to get out and go to MMI? And I literally got on my motorcycle, drove down to the grocery store, picked up a Cycle World magazine or whatever it happened to be, flipped and found an MMI ad and called him while I was standing in the grocery store. And six months later, I was back in Orlando and going to MMI. Did MMI honor, were you able to use veterans benefits for the MMI school? Yes, I had the GI Bill. A lot of people do this. I actually uh, took out student loans and lived on my GI Bill so I didn't have to work a full-time job and really focus on that. I could really hone all of my focus on school. And, and I did such, you know, graduating. I graduated top of my class, director's list, perfect attendance, top tech out of Honda, select tech out of Suzuki, and a top tech out of Suzuki. So, And that, that is huge because I worked for a very brief period of time in a Harley shop here in Orlando, and we had MMI students coming through. And they just, by the end of the week, they were just so dogged out, tired, because they would work early hours mm -hmm. for us and then go to the afternoon session. Yes. Or mm -hmm. they would go to the morning session and then come to us for the afternoon. And I'm like, when do you study? When do you really do your work? So yeah. that's, that's a, and it's an interesting option that you did the, the loan for it, but then lived off your benefits so you don't have to work. Somewhat lived off my benefits. I did um, I did some bouncing security in clubs when I was in California. So when I came out here, I did that as well in Orlando. And uh, that was just supplemental income because the GI Bill wasn't quite enough to live on completely. But it definitely helped. And I was able to get a job that, again, didn't have to focus so much while I was at school. I didn't want to think about, oh, what did I have to do at work tonight? And, oh, I forgot to do that. I, I wanted something very simple, basically. So you know. you're saying bouncing is somewhat mindless? No, no. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Transfer right over you, from the Did Marine you go Corps. to a technical school for that? <laughs> no, not It's called the School of Hard Knocks. It's called Paris Island. It's where you went to learn how to balance. Fantastic. So you, you go to school and you get out. You went to work for local shops here initially, correct? When you got um, out of school. Yes. After I got out of school, I actually went to work for the dealership uh, in Orlando. Worked there for about six years. Actually, about five years. And uh, worked my way up from a technician to a service advisor. Really wanted to become a service manager. Felt like it was kind of dangled over my head several times, but I was doing such a great job as a service writer. I was always, there was uh, 33 service writers across the United States for this one company, and I was always number one or two. So I was making very good money as a service writer. Yeah, so uh, they, I felt like it was dangled over my head a lot, but I was making very good money doing what I was doing and, and making money for the business as well. So they didn't want to necessarily move me. So, which led me into taking another job for a different company as a service manager, which was my next step. And I always wanted that was my, on my resume, not knowing that I wasn't going to need a resume opening my own business, obviously. But yeah, that's one of the things. I hate we, to go against we, the guy that owned the business because you go like, dude, I don't know about your resume. It doesn't look like it's going to make <laughs> yeah. it. So how did, I had that you, <laughs> how did you take, did you find it a challenge coming out of your military service to work for corporate America? 
Um, more so working with the people in corporate America, I think, would be a good way to put it. I, I didn't have a problem myself. I showed up to work not only on time, but sometimes a half an hour early, 45 minutes early. I was always the first one there. I would have all the bikes pushed out and, and uh, you know, make everything easy on everybody else. And I never kind of stopped doing that the whole time I've been in. So and It's yeah, funny how the veterans understand that the, the, the morale, you can pick up morale by discipline, being loyal, and you're going to get a lot more out of it. Yeah, and being on time is late. I, mm-hmm. I remember, okay, if you're on time. Well, I'm on time. No, you're late. Well, what do you mean? Well, you said to start at 10 o'clock. Yeah, I re- actually should have said you start at 930 because you're going to be here half an hour early. In, in our business, our call time, if our call time is 8 o'clock, we're usually there at 7.30. Just, mm-hmm. just I don't know, trace it back to the 40-some years ago. I was in the military, but it's just a, you learn when you're supposed to be someplace at a certain time. Yeah, that's, I've got, that's when you get there. I've got two veterans that work for me right now, and they, uh, I should say work with me because we're a great team. And uh, they, they're to work 30 to 45 minutes early every day, and it's just a good way to start your day and kind of uh, get everything in order. And, and do you beat ready. them into work? I do, yes. I think realistically, it's not so much coming to work on time or being early. It's you can't wait to get to work because you have developed this team and you don't want to get home. Yeah. And that's just how I feel, you know, when I was working for the military, oh, I loved it. I didn't want to go home. Mm-hmm. How I, long has it taken you to build your team? I mean, because we're going to talk when we come back out of the break about your business and how you start and a bunch of other things. But how long has it taken you to build the team you have now? Um. Well, we've been we've been Southern Cycles officially for a little over ten years now. I would say the whole time because it, we we've constantly grown since since I opened the business out of my two car garage at my house until now. All we've done is grow, and we're constantly growing, but slow controlled growth. And that's a great lead out of this. So we'll pick it up on the back end of the break and talk about your business and a small business ownership. Stay tuned. The guys will be right back with more on how to check your six. Southern Cycles in Apopka is a full-service American and Japanese surface and repair facility. Our certified technicians can fully service all makes and models. We strive to give each and every one of our valued clients superior customer service and never hesitate to take the extra time needed to explain all of the details on a repair. We have a love and passion for motorcycles and look forward to servicing your ride. Give us a call today at 407-884-6686 to ask questions or to schedule an appointment. Southern Cycles, where riding is a passion. (laughs) i figured i had to do a little bit of steppenwolf today i know you're not supposed to doing royalty free music but i had to do a little bit of steppenwolf today get your motor running because we have Mr. Nate in here from Southern Cycles. Tell people how to get a hold of you, Mr. Nate, at Southern Cycles. Uh, We are at 705 South Park Avenue in Apopka, just down from the police station. Our phone number is 407-884-6686. And if they want to send you an email to ask about questions or concerns or how you all work? They can send an email to Southern Cycles, then just the number one at at gmail.com. Tell me a little bit about, and we're going to cover some more stuff, and I want to give a, a personal plug-in for you all because you, again, have supported us and provided service for our, both my wife's motorcycle and mine for, I don't know, seven years or longer. But tell me about customer service to you, and what does it mean when you have people that continually come back to you? What is the most important part of Southern Cycles? 
Well, when you see people come back to you for many, many years, honestly, they start to feel like family, if not good friends. I've always felt that about customers. That's how I treat people when they come to our shop. Treat them like I would want to be treated if I go somewhere to get some service. You talked about you're an honest shop. That's part of your website. You're really the integrity and the honesty that you have. Talk to me about the honesty of your shop. What does that mean? It's right on our sign, honest, affordable motorcycle repair. There's a lot of times I have a conversation with a customer that I know it's not what they want to hear because they don't want to hear that their, uh, let's let's say their bike is too far gone to put a certain amount of money into it. And I consider it that it's uh, exceeding the value of the bike. They sometimes don't want to hear that, but I'm always going to be straightforward and honest, even if it, uh, even if it's maybe not something that somebody wants to hear. And, and everybody has always respected that. All of my customers have always respected that. Uh, that's one of the primary things you'll see in our reviews when you go through our reviews on Google or Facebook uh, is that we're, we're, we're honest. We talk people out of repairs sometimes that they don't need that maybe they thought they did need. Yep. And I've, I've been a perfect example of that. You've talked me out of, you know, you don't need this right now. You're going to need this down the road. But I really want to go back to, I had an accident in 2015 and messed mine up enough to where the insurance company wanted to scrap it. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. called me and you said, hey, we can replace one saddlebag. We can put this on. We can put an aftermarket here. We can replace this. You can do this. We'll take a little bit of a hit on our cost from a shop if you want to put this bike back together, because structurally there was nothing wrong with it mm-hmm. as you was all physical and stuff. And you did, and it looks great. It runs great. And I'm really thankful that you took the time to say, look, let's work with this. Let's get it instead of just scrapping it and, and going and looking for something new. That's why we continue to bring you back and back, even though I think we had a three-year delay between <clears throat> my wife's bike getting in there. So we had a lot of service to be done on it, but you've been very forthright and honest about what you provide to us as a client. So what you had, do you have something you want to Yeah, I just wanted to say, since we were talking in a break about, you know, showroom bikes that you don't really carry, no one's going to feel like when they walk in, they know exactly what the purpose of bringing their bike is to be repaired mm-hmm. or have service. It's not like, hey, your bike's not worth it. Why don't you buy one of my showroom bikes? And that right there tells uh, your honesty and your integrity of your shop. That, yeah, that would never happen. Even if I was a sales facility, my, my job is to keep somebody on their bike as long as they want to be on it for sure. Now, you do consignment, so if somebody wants to get a hold of you and said, you know, I really, I can't ride any longer, but I don't just want to sell it outright. You've serviced their motorcycle. You do provide consignments now, correct? And how does that work? Most definitely. Yeah, we charge a small fee. Uh, pretty much everything we do, we try to stay about half the price of the dealership, and that transfers right over in our consignment program as well. What's nice about that is that we already have a history with that bike. We already know that bike. We know the customer. I find it fun to talk to somebody that's looking for a bike and maybe purchasing a bike, talking to a couple incidences that maybe uh, I remember with that customer or that bike. And again, they feel like they're buying from somebody they know. So I think it's a a big advantage for them. I mean, if I was to go purchase a bike from you, I know, especially if you serviced it, okay, then it's been serviced well Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have stuff on there it doesn't need. Tell me about when you started. So you leave corporate work mm-hmm. and you go start on your own. What was that like for you? Starting out of your garage, correct? Yes. Yeah. I started uh, in a pop. I started out of my house in a garage, a two-car garage. I literally remember the day that I walked uh, out through the kitchen door that we led into the garage and I looked out in my garage and there was 12 motorcycles there and I shook my head and I said, wow, I've started something. I realized I started a business. Uh, I wasn't called Southern Cycles yet. Funny enough, it was called Nate Cycle Service. It was eye-opening uh, for sure. I called my uh, good friend, Josh Welch, which is my business partner now, and we had wrenched in the first dealership together. And I uh, became very good friends, a tight-knit group there that we uh, that we uh, gathered in. 
called him and said, hey, you know, we joked around a lot about opening a shop and kind of kicked it around just kind of and not very serious. Like I said, if you're if you're serious, let's do this because I, uh, I I'm, I'm overwhelmed here at my house. I think it was the next week we sat down in my spare room and got on sunbiz.org and started our business up. Did you have a business plan when you went? And the reason I ask about that is we have customer, we have customers, we've had people that have come in here prior that talk about the importance of a business plan. Did you have a business plan or just say, I want to fix motorcycles? Yeah, I had no clue how to run a business. <laughs> um, no, I say that jokingly. Uh, to be honest, it, it was a fairly smooth transition. I'd already been doing it out of my garage for so long. And uh, whether it be Marine Corps background or just professional background in general, you know, I had work orders. I had uh, I had a mailing system to where every year I sent out a Christmas card to my customers to say thank you for their uh, business. Now it's emails nowadays. I, I kind of was already doing it in, in the dealership as a technician, as a service advisor, and then going to a service manager, um, I, I kind of had a good handle on how things need to run, the equipment uh, equipment that was needed, and in uh, the systems. I, I, I look around the shop now, and I still see systems that were in play in the dealership that I kind of transferred over, and some that I created in the dealership. For instance, our schedule when I was in a dealership, uh, when I became a service manager, they were working off of a desk calendar, and everything was scribbled on there, and I created a a uh, format, printed out schedules, and I still use that exact same schedule at our shop nowadays. So it was a fairly easy transition. So you took what you learned in the shop basically to help build your business. Now, you open up your door, you've got 12 motorcycles. So that's a really good problem to have. Mm -hmm. You decide, I'm going to start a small business, and you already have business. Most definitely. Well, I'm going to back up real quick. You said I learned uh, everything, or I learned how to uh, run a shop. I did learn pros, and I also saw cons from different leaders in the industry as well that I knew that, that I learned not to do from that. I saw different things that a service manager would do and told myself I would never do that if I was a leader in a shop. And so, uh, yeah, good and bad and, and learned how to run the shop. Most definitely, we hit the ground running. We opened our doors. We transferred, I believe it was eight bikes or nine bikes at that time over in, on a trailer and put them in the shop and we started working. So there wasn't the, the lag of trying to create business. I remember counting back then, I think I had about 450 steady clients that were coming to me on a consistent basis at that point. And so to, to open the shop doors as our first day of business, I'm doing quote, air yeah, quotes air with quotes, my fingers, yeah, so uh, you know, to open a, a, a shop for the first day of business and already have 450 customers that I sent emails to and let them know. And actually, I remember, take that back, I called each and every customer from my garage and that's how I knew there was 450. Uh, and let them know that we are moving and this is our new address to, to come to us over here. So you then you moved from your garage to the, I think, where you were the first time I met you. Probably, dun, 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 I'm just trying to think back, might have been. I want to say maybe eight years ago. Probably, yeah. So probably looking at 2012, 2013-ish time yeah. frame when you, were in the, when you were in one of your first garages, which was a, basically a two-bike two bay. bay. Yeah, 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 a, a two-door two uh, bay. bay. Yeah. That's what we started out in. In about a year and a half, we took over the next uh, warehouse space next to us and had four bay garage, which came with an office. So we didn't have to write up work orders on a little table we built. We were there probably about four years or so and uh, three and a half years. And then we moved over to a building about twice the size of what we had, which was about 2,500 square feet. And then Recently, in the last uh, year and a half, just just under two years, we uh, moved up onto the address that I said earlier, the 705 South Park in Apopka, and it's 5,000 square feet, and it's frontage property on Park Avenue. So. And you got a nice office. And not that you didn't have a nice office before, but you've done slow growth. Yeah. Now, where your building is located at, is it off like 
everybody talks about location, location, location. It's a main road. So it's a main road where you drive by, and I think I know where it's at, but your office always looks this beautiful water. You sit back there in your flip-flops and your shorts, you're drinking a beer, right? <laughs> Minus the beer, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it really is a, a nice shop, and it's it's open. It looks and not your shops didn't look good before, but they were motorcycle shops. This mm-hmm. is kind of this you now going to a second level. You talked about slow growth. What do you mean for you by slow growth? What does that mean? You started with four hundred and fifty clients. That's mm-hmm. not really you know slow, but how did you develop that? And when did you decide? Okay, we need to move. Definitely, at times I, I feel that we have uh, we've had growth a little bit faster than I anticipated. But slow, controlled growth is what I've always said, and and I don't want to forget where I came from. I don't want to forget when I worked out of my garage and how important each and every customer not not how many how important a hundred customers is, but each individual. And um, I, I love to be able to see somebody sometimes after four or five years. Uh, there's been times where I worked on somebody's uh, motorcycle in my garage, and for some reason they got out of bike riding. And then got back into it. And I, I see it maybe three or four times a year and they'll come in and I remember their bike they had and I remember their their face. Sometimes can pin a name to it and remember maybe a story they told me back then and people are amazed. And um, that, that kind of focus I feel you lose when you grow too fast. It gets very watered down, I guess, if you will. So you feel like when you walk into his shop, you feel like Norm from Cheers. Yeah. You know, you walk in like, hey! I've never, never compared it like that, but that is actually yeah, really go. good. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's and, that's, and, and that's builds repeat business. And I'm only saying that because I was in 23 years in hotel sales. You've got to realize you get a value. And, and it's not just because they're walking in to get an oil change or something. You've got other things that you want to tell them about. Listen, I also want to overlook your bike, check some things out, bring it to your attention. It's up to you. Most definitely. And yeah. then and then they see the honesty that you're providing, and they go like, you know what? No one's ever done that. I appreciate the value. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I never push anything. I mean, to be honest, even on safety things, it's not to say that I'm not going to bring it up or stress the safety of it. But, you know, everybody's got their own wallet and what fits it. So I, I never push anything. I never try to sell anything. I just uh, I, I let the customers know what they should be doing, and it's their call at that point. If something is unsafe, I definitely talk about it a couple times and just let them know what could happen, and then, again, they can make their decisions. So let me ask you one question. Who's your competition? Be honest, I, I, I don't feel like there is competition. Um, Good answer. Yeah, I, I mean, That's the correct answer. You know, uh, I, I feel like there's not anybody out there offering what we offer. The, the honest, the affordability, and through and through. I'm not, not going to say that there was not, there's not honest people in the dealership. I worked in a dealership, and I always chose to be honest. But as a whole, uh, there's a lot of wool being pulled over people's eyes. And, and um, maybe, you know, just, just sales, sales, sales. They're, they're pushed by something. They're pushed by the dollar. I've I've said this so many times in my business. Not once have I ever focused on the, the the money sign. I've never focused on the money. It's there in the end. I focus on the customer. I do the right thing, and I may lose on some jobs where somebody that's a salesman may have not lost some money on that job. I may lose some money on a job, but if I don't focus on the money and I focus on the customer, in the end, my family is taken care of. All my techs are taken care of. My business partner Josh is taken care of, and his family, and that's all that that's all that matters. And, and that's exactly right. It, a lot of people, first thing they go into, we've had some really good people on here from uh, Center State Bank. He's senior vice president, mm-hmm. and also Score on here. And the first thing they ask him is because people come off the street and say, "Hey, I want to build an empire with a lot of money." And they said, "Okay, why don't you go back home, start looking at a business plan, tell us what you want to do." And, and that's exactly right. Forget the money in. If you bring what you're telling us, it's there. You don't even think about it because you wouldn't have grown into the shop you've had. You wouldn't have 400 plus some customers. But it's your integrity and your honesty that people are failing to realize 
that what keeps a business in success. Most definitely. Yeah, and your referral, I mean, I came to you from a referral. Ed, I trust Ed. I trust you. And he said, hey, these guys are great. Go see them. They'll take care of you. And I did. And I, every chance I get, I say, if you want service done to your motorcycle and you want it done well, go see them. Well, it's kind of a long ways out. Then take it to the local shop and pay three times as much, and you just don't know what's going to happen to the bike when it's when it's all said and done. Give us again how people can get a hold of you. Uh, our address is 705 South Park Avenue in Apopka, Florida, and our phone number is 407-884-6686. You can find us on Facebook at Southern Cycles. Uh, as well, if you uh, email person, we've got uh, our email is southerncycles, the number one, at gmail.com. It really is a great motorcycle place. I love the Southern Cycles. The whole look. So how, uh, so tell me about Southern Cycles. How did that name come out and, and where did that come from? Oh, uh, well, we're in the South. Uh, we, Josh and I, uh, came up with a list of names that we wanted to. And you have uh, motorcycles. You're in the South. Yes. You have motorcycles. There you go. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. One plus ahead. one. We came up with a list of names, many names, and some of them included our names. And I remember thinking that uh, as personal as I want to make it, we shouldn't make it personal, I, I feel. And not that I plan on selling the business, but Nate's shop, Josh's shop, N&J's shop, that doesn't really say what you do. And I, and I feel Southern Cycles, again, we're in the South, but I, I figure people uh, cling to that a bit, you know, they, they uh, maybe identity-wise. And then Cycles, Motorcycles, uh, I, I feel it was, it was fitting. That makes it easy. And that makes sense because I think the word Cycles really is going to help you. It's like, yeah. hey, we're in the South. Hmm. That's and it. Now what? Just Southern. Are we fishing today? Yeah, who knows what we're doing? Well, we typically try and give a tip of the day, and we will do that today before we leave. You actually talked about some of this stuff. Start by what's doing, doing what's necessary, then do what's possible, and suddenly you're doing the impossible. So you look out on your garage. Okay, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm going to start doing what's necessary. You make the arrangements with Josh. Then you guys put together what's possible, and now you guys are doing the impossible, which is not for you because you do it every single it's day. Called, it's called passion, correct? Oh, yes. Big time. What were you, if you were not a motorcycle repair facility, what would you be doing? I honestly can't think of anything other than that. That's, you sure that's, you want to go I back to the Marines? I, I know they're looking for a few good men. <laughs> I'm past that 33 uh, age uh, oh, limit. Oh, just barely. Well, again, I love what I do. I'm glad to hear that. Thanks for finally getting the ability for us to come on the show. We really appreciate it. And I wish Josh could have been here, so we don't want to make it seem like it's we're just probably, you. We'll probably step by next week sometime. That would be awesome to see you I, guys there. I do need to bring the bike up to have that choke throttle thing replaced, so we'll have to do that. But anyways, we got our tip of the day in. Is that about it? I think that's about it, isn't it? Let's close it down. Check, check. Check, check, and, and recheck. So get your motor running today with... With Mr. Nate, we appreciate you being in here. Thank you, Thanks guys. for being. And, um, you know, we'll catch you on the flip side. Oh, well, we should catch, catch you down the road, right? Yeah, Since catch you the road. That's, yeah, it's called uh, CY6 Podcast. Yep. Catch you down the road. Thanks for listening to the Check Your Six Podcast. Tune in again next time for more information on your small business development.